Welcome to the Collective Perspective. This is a collaborative program with friends that share an interest in the truth as it is, not simply as we wish it would be. Matt, when we were talking last night, you had mentioned about uh, greed and how people do so many things for money, but that you don't think that necessarily we could live without money or trade as the Venus Project promotes. Can you expand on that? Yeah, first of all, it's an honor to be on online with you folks right now. Thank you very much for your time. I think a lot about conditionality and kind of like going through different periods of kind of developing a theory about how people, I don't really study psychology, but much like Piaget studied developmental psychology, he just loved his children. So he watched everything that they did and became like a leading developmental psychologist. So I don't know if I'm going to come up with anything interesting, but interesting to myself, I like to see people as machine learners, as computers that grow and become different things as they receive different information over time. So I see a lot of things that you touched on. War, I'm in college now, and it's very disappointing to hear all the awards and all the research always being linked to something in the military. And I, I really don't think that it's always just what it seems on the surface. I think that, you know, there's a lot of money-making racket, and it's not just... Well, we have to we have to uphold national security. I think a lot of times it is just, you know, cranking up the prices of the missiles and there's nothing going on now, so we have to start something. And it's extra disappointing to sort of get blank stares from people that have devotion to education and integrity that are in the system. When I say, wow, it'd be so interesting if there was money and money is power, if this interest, this investment was given to those in education... And then when somebody wanted to go to war, they would write to their local professors and say, hey, can we go to war with these people? Instead of the other way around, we write to the military and say, are we allowed to study this? Can we study that? I mean, it doesn't, it really doesn't make sense. And they know it, we all know it. And it's really disappointing just to kind of get that sort of like, well, there's nothing we can do about it because that's the way it is. And it's the way it is because that's the way it was. So yeah, I really love the comment that was made just a little bit ago about being sort of in the tail end of the medieval period because it's at first a little striking, but then it really seems to be a sensible and realistic assessment. Now, some people want to go back to the good old days. There were never any good old days. In Salem, Massachusetts, they used to burn witches. We had slavery in the old days. We had child labor. And everybody that fought to get rid of those conditions tried to make the world a better place. But it wasn't easy. you got to remember, making a sane world is not an easy project. And if people brought up people to think freely, you can't control them. Remember, on Saturday or Sunday, you have religion on the air, which is managed news. In a sane society, you would have Everything different people believe in, different kinds of religion, non-religion, atheism, agnosticism, that's a democratic society. But when you just have one point of view on the radio, television, and on Sunday, just religion, that is not a free society. 
that's a thought-controlled society. We've never had a democracy. If you had a democracy, you'd have Republicans and Democrats able to talk to each other. As you know, they can't even talk to each other. You mentioned something that makes me want to bring up sort of a devil's advocate point. In looking at some of the Venus Project naysayers, there was one person that had a problem with the idea that the society that the Venus Project would like to promote and create would have one single mindset. What are your thoughts on that? Very good question, too. There's nothing the matter with being uniform if you're sanely uniform, meaning if all children were brought up not to want to kill one another. There would be nothing wrong with that. If all children were brought up to be creative, to make creative suggestions to improve society, everybody being alike in that way wouldn't be bad. But when people think of being alike, they think of them as robots. And that's what I find today, that most people are very much alike. But there's very little individuality. The values are really restricted in this culture to perpetuate this society. And if you were if you were able to be an individual in this society and not just a cog in the wheel to get a job, you would have a lot of trouble. I have a question that's I have to think how to form it, but I'll do it quickly here. So I'm studying in engineering and it doesn't take long to fall in love with the metric system. All you have to do is work a few calculations that involve forces and mass because the antiquated system didn't even have a mass unit, so they made up the slug, which is like a pound second squared per foot. It's really unusual. It's almost impossible. It ends up being very ineffective to try to continue to use anything but metric. But it's still hard to get like people that were doing small motors, small engine repair all his life, you know, he will shun the metric system because it is the thing that caused him to have two sets of sockets in his toolbox to rifle through. So I can understand this change just being an aberration to your normal flow if it's viewed that way. But, I mean, if you had in one hand metric and you had in the other hand the uh, English standard system you have fractions and as the denominator goes up the size gets smaller it's kind of it really is confusing as it's less direct than metric and it doesn't deal with the base 10 system you can't transfer units easily but we we still are the last ones to drop and go to the metric system so if we can't even take up something that's clearly golden for us because of corporate interest or whatever, stagnation or just set in our ways, whatever whatever the plan is. If we can't even take up something that we know will benefit all of us. You understand that if the United States cannot see the future, other nations will pass us by. Do you understand that? A nation that can understand that the importance of electronics and computers and the training of engineers and scientists is a very important thing to do. If we fail to do that, just train people in business, advertising, commercialism, then you will become a have-not nation. It's those nations that train their citizens in engineering, basic science, and the methodology of solving problems will be the nations that prevail in the future.
And I think today they just announced that the colleges today are not looking for people with high IQs, as they call them. They're looking for people with money. That is the downfall of the culture. There's an old spiritual quote that I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it had to do with the fact that you could feed someone with a spoon or you could stab their eyeball out with it and that everything is a, a tool and how you use it is what matters. With regard to technology, it seems to me anyway that technology is advancing at such a rapid pace in this technological revolution that we're in, but I think it's outpacing our societal spiritual development and so a lot of what technology gets used for feeds the most banal of our desires so we have implemented the ability to be able to direct with one another visually by having a television and one of the ways that we chose to use television was for entertainment and phasing out real journalism now we see a lot of uh, pseudo reality based television and then you have the internet, which is this brilliant virtual brain for all of us to be able to exchange information. And there are a lot of ways which that gets served for our baser interests. Even with the mobile phone technology that we have, there's a lot of texting among young people or just anyone in general about things that don't really matter that much. So how can we grow along with technology so that technology is actually serving better interests? You can't do that until people lose their homes, lose their jobs, and they will wonder, hey, what's wrong with things? You have to wait till people lose confidence in the people they elected to political office. When they find out that they can't really handle problems, they don't know what to do about it, then they'll be looking for something new. These are the times and conditions where nations are breaking down. The monetary system is collapsing all over the world. And no system can freeze and hold that system forever. All systems continually undergo change. That's a realization that we have to come to. And they won't come to it until they are affected by it. Remember that people do not lead the world in the new direction. Things collapse. People are abused. People lose their jobs. They're put in prison. Only when that happens to people, they realize that the system doesn't know how to handle problems. This is why we feel it's so important at this time to get these ideas out there because people don't know what to do. They have no other alternative. And this is a viable alternative for them to work towards. All those people who are disregarding this system, saying it's a scam or whatever else, will most likely be looking at it when they lose their jobs and their their confidence in their leaders and they lose their homes. Then they'll want something better. Everybody today wants a piece of the pie. And then when they start to lose that, then they look for something else. Leanne asks, uh, I see a comprehensive idea of how to end crime by removing the monetary system, but what of the crimes that would be committed for other reasons, such as there are murders and assaults and various other crimes committed by mentally ill individuals? Now they're raised in the schools of the future, are raised in problem-solving, real problems, problems that confront people. So they're raised in how to get along with people, how to disagree without getting angry, how to submit ideas rather than saying it'll never work. They'll learn a great deal about semantics and communication, 
So they will never say things like, it'll never work. They'll point out of what it is that doesn't work in it. They will learn how to solve problems and deal with one another. People will learn how to relate to one another, communicate with one another, and extend the lives of other people. They will learn how to make things better, not saying, have a nice weekend. Those were empty words. You don't control the weather. When you say to people, have a nice weekend, why don't you say, have a nice life? Why just a weekend? Because that's a custom of our society. It's old, has old language that has no meaning at all. Most of the words we use are really abstract. They don't have any positive meaning. All I can say is I wish you would come to our tours where you will meet with me and learn how to think this way. Because I spend a lot of time teaching people how to deal with problems. Celine, you had a question regarding the Venus Project and the arts. Could you uh, expand on that, please? I'm just curious as to where the arts would fit into the Venus Project Society. You're talking about instruments being readily available so people can use them, but um, by getting rid of mundane things, by using technology, then there's more space for the arts. And how does it fit into the Venus Project? Okay. We have art centers, music centers. You know that kids hang out in balls where they have no place to go. We would build art centers, music centers, cultural centers, theater groups. Only the arts will be made available to everyone rather than a selected few. You know, I, I think it's worth um, taking a look philosophically at, at your promotion of a resource-based economy as it relates to to money and how we use it now. Um, the scenario that Matt had described in our conversation last night preparing for this interview with you, in which someone goes into a bank to gather money and then is assaulted outside because of someone that needs that money so, so direly that they're willing to assault someone else for it. Well, it led us to talk about what would happen without that money. If someone needs that money because they're going to pay their rent, well, they wouldn't need the money because there would be no rent to pay, but the person that owns or then leases the property that the said person is renting, they wouldn't be getting that money to use either. It's a moneyless society. For example, where do you think we got the land called America? We stole it from the Indians. You understand? We killed hundreds of thousands of Indians to take this land away from them. We took the richest land away from them. Did you know that George Washington had 300 slaves? He'd be run out of town today. Did you know that Harry Truman, president, was a hat salesman? He had a hat store? What the hell is he doing in political office? Did you know that Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer went to visit Truman? He said, now that we've given you the atom bomb, will you drop it off the coast of Japan about 30 miles out at sea and say we have a terrible weapon, we'd rather not use it? Please surrender. Well, Harry Truman said, I don't want those guys in my office anymore. And he dropped a bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. The man was a stupid individual because you didn't develop hatred. Hatred amongst nations when you drop bombs on their cities and you kill people, you produce tensions well into the future and hatred for our nation. 
the people that run your government are extremely poorly informed, and they are not well-read. They're not very smart. You have to remember, too, in a resource-based economy, there would be no business people, no lawyers, no bankers, no insurance people, no salespeople, no advertising. There'd only be problem-solving, and there would be no ownership either. You know, it's a burden to own things. You have to maintain it. You have to, um, you have to take out insurance. You have to put bars on your window to protect it. You have to update it. In a resource-based economy, it's just like the library, as Jack mentioned. You go in and you check out anything you want. When you've finished with it, you can bring it back or, or keep it if you're using it for a long period of time. So things, you, know, you use less resources that way. You really don't want to own anything. You just want it there when you want to use it. Right. In other words, if you go down to the docks and check out a sailboat, you don't have to own it. You can go out on a one-month cruise if you want to. That's up to you. There's no ownership of the Venus project. Therefore, everyone has access. It's just like being born on Earth. You have beautiful sunsets, clouds. You don't want to own the clouds. You don't want to own the oceans. You don't want to own land. What you want is to be able to go out into the country when you choose to do so. You want to have access to whatever you want at that time. And we think that the Venus Project can provide for most human needs, 90% of what people need. It can easily provide for those needs. America has a tremendous capacity to produce goods and services. You don't have to sell or chisel off one another anymore or make money on human misery. If a human has cancer, they make a lot of money using MRIs and other scanning devices in medicine. Medicine has become a business. In the future, it will become a public service. And doctors will be well taken care of. They will live better than they've ever lived in the modern system. Just like everybody else. Yes. And uh, what about uh, enjoyment and pleasurable activities in, in these new cities that you're envisioning? The new cities have no parks. The whole city is a park and a lovely garden with flowers and beautiful plants around. And that all people in the new cities have art centers, music centers, cultural centers, swimming pools, discussion groups, theater groups. All that is provided for free of economic you don't have to have money for that. It's just like an ocean liner. When you travel on an ocean liner, you, the ocean liner orders enough water and enough food for 6,000 people or 1,000 people. In other words, you don't have to pay your way. All those things are provided because you're part of the human race. I wish I would have asked this question in the beginning, but we all sort of got right into the conversation. But... Doc, you've been along for a long time. You've experienced a great number of changes in the United States. And eventually, uh, you met Roxanne, who seems to be your very strong partner. How did you two meet one another? Roxanne, do you know Jack used to lecture. He used to lecture at his homes. He used to lecture at universities um, long before I met him. And somebody approached me and talked about Jack's inventions and and had 
tape recordings of Jacques' lectures, and I listened to them, and I found them fascinating, because for the first time, somebody wasn't just talking about what was wrong, but they talked about what they could do to um, solve the problems that we have. So I ended up going to his lectures at, that he held in universities and in his home. Three days a week he held it in his home, and I started going to those lectures. Then I started reading the books on his book list, and then I started taking um, technical illustration classes from him. And I just found this more viable than anything else to work for, more viable than working towards your own personal self. If you could save up hundreds of thousands of dollars, you can get cancer in this system and you can kiss it all goodbye. There's no security in this system. And the resource-based economy is a global system and meets the needs of everyone. I don't see any other war way of eliminating wars and poverty and hunger than, than that. And so it's the most wonderful thing you can work towards. And what were you doing before you uh, found out about Jacques? I had a fine arts background, and I was drawing bad portraits. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack taught me how to do technical illustration, medical illustration, architectural illustration. And once you, he has a fantastic way of teaching people how to draw through the methods of science and technical illustration, so you can just draw anything. You're not born with the ability to draw, or there's no talent that people have. That's a myth, because they don't know how to teach it. They think that some people are born creative, some are lazy, some are hardworking. All that is a bunch of lies. They're shaped by culture, all your values. If you ask an Eskimo if you did this, and have never traveled anywhere, say you can have anything you want, what would you like? Eskimo can't say I'd like a twin-engine beach craft. He can't say that. He can't say I'd like air conditioning, stainless steel. He can't ask for those things. You can only think within your culture. Please, don't take my word for it. Think about it. You can only ask questions within the culture that you're reared in. If you were brought up 500 years ago, you may want to buy an armored suit. Or if you brought up in ancient Rome, you may want to go to see Christians fed the lions. That would be normal for that culture. And if you were born in America many years ago, you may want or may want to have studied to become a cowboy. I think Mark Twain put it well when he said, there's not an acre of land on earth that belongs to its rightful owner. Where do you think Britain got all that territory? Where do you think America got the United States from? Where do you think any country got its land from? They took it away from other people. Another saying I like that Mark Twain says is the earth is the insane asylum of the universe. I think there's a lot to substantiate that sentence, that statement. Mm. You know, there's a varying amount of life experience that's congregating right now in this conversation, and Jacques, you're uh, one up on all of us on that, and I'm approaching 38, and in my lifetime, it took me some time just to become self-aware and then politically aware, etc. It has seemed to me that there has been somewhat of a regression in some ways, but you have a lot more life experience than I do and have witnessed a lot more changes than I have, so having been born and grown through the Great Depression all the way up through this new century, 
What's your outlook? Do you think that we have regressed, or do you think that things have been relatively the same in your lifetime? No. I would say that the universities in America are better equipped than ever. They have electron microscopes, they have the best science and technology, but the wars are getting worse. The bomb is becoming more detrimental. The cobalt bomb sometimes could be thousands of times more deadly than the atom bomb. And airplanes can carry more bombs. It isn't that we're progressing. We're moving in the wrong direction. We're using science and technology to maintain our positions of control, which is the wrong direction of science and technology. It should be used to help people, all people, all over the world. They all need the same thing. There's no good, bad, right, or wrong. They're just different times and culture. It was normal for Romans to feed Christians the lions at that phase of their evolution. It's normal for Americans to go and watch prize fights. In the future, punching a man in the head damages the brain. But people are brought up to that. They think, gee, that's a great activity. Don't you see? We're all manipulated all over the world. In Spanish worlds, they have bulls running through the streets. And it's macho to stand out in front of a bull and then try to dodge him. A lot of things that you consider normal today would be considered unsane in the future. Not insane, unsane, meaning the way you're brought up, not brain degeneration. And would there be room for certain activities that certain people consider fun in today's world, such as, let's say, video games? One might consider them mindless. Would there be room for that in your society? that video games can be designed to make you smarter. In other words, it depends on the designers of the video brain. When you design video brains and people walk away from it smarter than when they started playing, I would say that's useful. In other words, if you just have a a setup like Disney World, Disney World is entertainment. In the future, all exhibits would make people smarter when they came out. They would know more than when they went in. You know, today we have clubs like Mickey Mouse Club. That's kind of an insult to human intelligence to have your children belong to a Mickey Mouse Club. Don't you see that? Children like to know things. They ask all kinds of good questions. And you're told not to lie to children. You're told to teach them the truth. Well, when children say, Daddy, where do babies come from? We say the stork brings them. Line number one, how does Santa Claus get down the chimney to bring you all those toys? Line number two, we lie to our children continuously, and you hope they're going to turn out to be okay. There's an expression that's used by a lot of people that I know that comes from uh, scuba diving. And when I go scuba diving, we have to decompress at different points, and and in life, I think there's a need to sometimes decompress or just have a respite from your general obligations in life. Would there be room for guilty pleasures or things that help you disengage from your aspirations in life in the society that you're envisioning? Well, I, I think today's, it's, this culture is so stressful, and the aims that people are trying to achieve and the money they're trying to achieve just to get the houses and the cars they want or what they think is important is really, really difficult on them. In the future, when people work on things, 
that help everyone in society. And when they achieve certain things, it goes into society and it helps themselves and everyone else and everybody grows. And they work on things that they enjoy that are good for everyone. I don't think there'd be a need to go and take drugs to, to, um, for a respite of, of the environment around them. Today's society is extremely painful. People don't know how to express themselves. They have to drink to say the things that they want. I don't think you'd need that in the future. You'd be educated in a very different way. And the things you're working on are the things that you enjoy working on. You're not made to work on them. You're not made to have a menial job that gives you minimum wage so you can, you know, bring your child to the doctor. A lot of times you can't even do that. You have to go to a free clinic. So everybody's in tremendous stress today. Instead of a, a Pentagon in Washington, the Pentagon has offers defense systems. In the future, we'll have a Pentagon that's designed to bridge the difference between nations, not kill one another. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Is everyone else following as well? Any other questions that may have been left out at this point? I have a, a slight personal question if uh, Mr. Fresco would answer. Um, I'm curious as to what you think your longevity is attributed to. What is your lifestyle like now that keeps both your mind and your body active? Just being, getting out of yourself and working on other people's problems, trying to make life better for most people. For example, if you study psychology, in this system, they try to get you to adjust to this system which has got to be stupid. The psychology of the future will deal with behavioral sciences, how to improve human relations, how to get rid of human arguments, how to diminish conflict between people. And that's very easy to do, by the way. It's not a difficult problem. What I work on is problems all the time. Solve problems, reward with real accidents, make machines safer for people, teaching children subject matter that will enhance their lives and enable them to get along with different kinds of people of different value systems. In other words, getting out of yourself and the self-centered values of property, money, and power, which is self-centered, which destroys human beings and human values. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That's a very excellent answer. Is there anything specific that you do dietarily that's different? Are you vegan or do you, is there anything different about yourself that way as well? Well, I would imagine that if you just eat more vegetables and less meat, um, meat, it takes a lot of food to build a cow that weighs a thousand pounds. And you can feed more people by harnessing vegetables rather than eating meat. You can also learn to live better with less drugs and less medicines. Most drugs are not really problem solved. They may temporarily diminish your pain, but they have side effects. So we will study cancer, heart disease, all the things that plague all people and try to solve those problems good nutrition, better outlook. In other words, if you look at the world with very negative outlook, you can eat 
even though you eat the best food in the world, you will not do well if you have a very negative personality and negative outlook. If you work on positive things that you know are benefiting the world, you will have a much healthier body. If you don't have, you know, you can you can live on junk food if you have a a good outlook, but that won't be available. You won't be able to buy salami, bologna, or frankfurters. Today they're finding out that frankfurters are hot dogs, or artificially flavored and colored foods may be responsible for many different types of cancer. You're not fighting cancer by using chemotherapy or radiation therapy. You fight cancer by doing away with the conditions that produce it. The same with aberrant behavior. You don't put a person in jail. And they don't know how to behave. It's nobody's fault, no matter what a person does, whether they're serial killers, murderers, rapists, they're produced by the society you live in. In the new society that I'm talking about, we will teach children how to live, how to solve problems, how to relate with one another without hurting one another. You'd be surprised how much science and technology has grown and how little people know of it. In the future, they'll be taught more about the scientific methods rather than opinionated systems that politicians use. So you're really not proponents of, of any political ideologies whatsoever? No. Politics don't solve problems. They cause the problems. We, we advocate the methods of science applied to society. I'm not talking about scientific elitism or any other kind of elitism. There is no elitism in the penis budget. Everyone has access to the same things other people have access to. And it's not scientists running things, but the methods of science. Even scientists today are propagandized. They're nationalistic. They're, you know, they, they're used to make weapons the future, no scientist would make weapons for some one country's benefit and, and, you know, have the suffering of so many other people that those weapons are used on. You know, scientists, I don't know if you know this, but the U.S. Army dumped 67 tons of nerve gas into the ocean off the coast of Miami. Did you know that? How can you love this country and do that? There's something dreadfully wrong with military training. No question about that. I hate to keep going back to a similar question, but it does make me think again, how does one begin to reach out to others who are so myopic and so cemented in their the way they've been raised to view things? I understand. I would suggest that you get the book, The Best That Money Can Buy. It goes into all of those things, answers a lot of your questions. Look up the venusproject.com. In other words, there's a lot of information we post that's free, that you don't have to buy. But if you really want to know, look up the venusproject.com. I just wanted to say thank you very much. I'm actually from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I've, I was introduced to the Venus Project through... Uh, the zeitgeist movement, and I have to say that I absolutely love what you are trying to do for this world, and I, I have great hope 
that this is something that we can try to implement in our future and our children's future because it's been so grim for so long that it's time for change and it's time for society to wake up and for people like Jacques to be able to be everywhere in the world, all over the world, sharing his knowledge of how to properly relate to people. I particularly enjoyed, you did a college, um, a college speech somewhere you're talking at a college and speaking about how you were able to convince almost anybody of your point of view simply through through logic and um i'm going to get your book and and hopefully i'll look to see if there's a movement here in calgary and and definitely if there's anything that we can do to uh to help this project continue to spread its word i think it's marvelous what you're doing thank you thank you we both appreciate the opportunity to even talk about it. If there isn't a chapter in Calgary, it'd be wonderful if you could start one. Yeah, certainly I'll take a look into it because, I mean, it's such a, it's, it's, it's a universal truth of mankind that needs to supersede individuality, or the individual truth, um, that we've been brought up to believe that we need stuff, really, and it's, we've lost our humanity. And uh, I really appreciate that there's, there's a, an entire movement moving back towards humanity in all of its races and creeds and colors and languages. So thank you very much for all the efforts you guys put in. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity. Tactic 
is proliferation of human preservation, architectural elevation. We stand in veneration of the goddess Venus crossing as we plot this air voyage. Elite fleet launched with clairvoyance, inspired by ancient artifacts. Practice the latent artifacts, oblivious to how bleak the future seems. The youth stay geeked, play me glued to computer screens with feudal dreams. This is groupthink versus global brain, divine intelligence, irrelevance, and social strain. The difference between generosity and charity in a world where clarity's a rarity. They stare at me atop the pyramidae, arms out, shouting namaste with the soul that's lighter than the feather of my eye. Rest of the world screaming, look what I got. Theory is be free, leading exponent is me. All is one, one is all. Do it that will, shall be the whole of the law. Innocence predates the guilt created by the great fall. So which do you choose, pure life or more strife? The core of sacrifice, but you're the one that pays the price. Forget what they say. the prophecy of doomsday was more like April Fool's Day. Not the end of the world, but the end of the age. Beware the wrath of the sage and do the math on the page. Place that's resource based. You can't even catch a case for all basic necessities are supplied by herbs abundance, intelligent management of her resources of advanced human civilization. Entire population received universal health care. I know it was unfair, I know it was the monetary system. You couldn't bear and they act your organs and stressed you out. You lost your head, but have no fear. Gone all the days of the tyrants, ruling square. Sure, on your work day, increase the vacation time to you. A blessing will it be when the meek inhabit the planet with no deprivation The weather is no application fee Just grab you a copy, you're the best that money can't buy This is your future by design